In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It's our first Sunday of Lent, so we get to hear the beautiful words of St. Basil the Great in our liturgy, which we do, I think, about 13 times a year, so it's a great privilege to hear his words. It's kind of... uh, stirs in me a bit uh, of the subject uh, about the homily today. We celebrate uh, the restoration of iconography, the icons in the Holy Church in the 8th century, um, ninth century. But um, so we see the truth kind of being established by the apostles, and that truth withstanding even um, great onslaughts, even by the church from inside. That the truth prevails, always, never fails, never fails. So, uh, the origins of this homily are when I was reading the scripture earlier in the week, what struck out, what struck me was the, the words. Uh, the Lord's words, follow me, follow me. And I was immediately turned to remembering the first time we were uh, given the opportunity to pray in front of icons. It was a scary moment in this church's history. The reason it remembered it so uh, succinctly was because the person that did that service was was uncovered, uncorrupt. Bishop Dimitri of Dallas came to us before we were Orthodox and did a Vesper service in our sanctuary. He put two little icons up on the wall and he said, just let them be there. Don't worry about them. And guess what happened? Look at, look at, look at the mess he created. The truth, he knew the truth. He knew that if they sat there and they were present there, that they would grow. That we would understand it, not because we were trying to understand it intellectually, but because the truth actually has life. It gives life. It's alive, it's powerful. He knew that would happen. He knew that would happen. So we see our Lord, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that truth is settled in the church. St. Paul says to Timothy that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. That truth that is set in Christ is given to the church to give to us that truth, that power. And so we have been given this opportunity to follow Christ through his church. And so I want to, that was the first example, Bishop Dimitri's service, the Vesper service, and he put two icons up. He knew that truth, the truth of iconography, that that which is represented is present. That which is represented is 
present. Present here. So we look and we see the presence of the saints. Not just pictures of the saints, but the presence of the saints. That's a very big difference. We just don't remember them. We participate in their, the reality of their presence. That's why iconography in the church has been so important over the centuries. So, first example. Follow me. We followed Bishop Dimitri. So, follow Alexander Schmemann along the path. He died in 1983 before we became Orthodox. But I remember when we were, we took on doing the St. John Chrysostom liturgy. That was by his encouragement, actually. And um, I remember him saying this, and it's written in many of his books, that liturgy transforms remembrance into reality. So we just don't remember an event. We don't remember today Christ's resurrection only. We participate in his resurrection. You know where that becomes most dramatically felt is during Holy Week. You come, you see Christ crucified. You're present there. You, you, you go to his burial. You go to where the tomb is, is shaken. And you come to his resurrection. It's not just remembering the events, beloved, that the church has given to us. This truth, the truth of these events, we participate in them. We touch them. We understand because of experience that reality. So when Father Alexander Schmemann gave us this, we followed him. As we were journeying to orthodoxy, we were kind of looking at kind of paralleling the church. You know, we became orthodox. We were doing orthodox things, right? And here's the church over here. We're paralleling it. We were just growing in our ability to do orthodox stuff. We were getting really good at it too, actually. And Father Hopko came to us. Uh, well, I'll share this story because it's kind of funny. Um, he came for a week and he went to every service we did, the daily services, all the services through the week, to kind of help us kind of get things right. And so I was the, I was uh, Father Richard's secretary at that time, his assistant. And so we had a meeting at the end of Father Hopko's visit. And um, so I was going to take notes on the things we needed to correct. So I had my yellow pad and my pen. And he starts saying, I had a wonderful time this week. I just want to tell you I'm so full of joy but you do 72 things wrong. 72. I went, we're going to be here all day. He said, but that's not what I want to share with you. I'll send you that information. But what you need is the mystical power of the Orthodox Church. That's what you don't have. You need to step across the threshold. Man, light bulbs went on. We were on our way. That's all we needed to hear. The mystical power of the church, the truth in, embodied in a, in a church, that's what we needed. We couldn't parallel it. 
we had to step into it and experience the very the, the richness of that of that experience is in the church the mystical power of God in his church that's what we have we are so fortunate so another one uh, Another, follow me. So we followed Father Hopko's advice. So we had a struggle here one time with some folks' uh, health issues. And Bishop Basil was our bishop then. And uh, I remember I went to him and shared with him that one of our parishioners had a very serious illness. And so he grabs her by the arm and takes her over here and says, you pray to her. She will not fail you. You have a mother that loves you, that cares for you, that prays for you. We didn't know it at that time, but we know it now that we have a blessed intercessor who loves us, cares for us. And we, he knew that all we would need to do is just begin to ask for intercession and we would find the truth of that. That's all we need to do. Oh, Holy Mother of God, pray for us. That's all we needed to say. Follow me. We have been, I, I was overwhelmed, really, by all the things that had happened in our journey. That it was just following people that gave us these great treasures. So, forgive me. So, Father Richard, what did Brother Richard give to us? Uh, it's amazing. So many things to me, personally, but to us. When we began the journey to orthodoxy, Father Richard embraced the theology of the ancient faith. I don't even think he knew that's what it was when he first got it, but he knew uh, as we moved along that that's what it was. It was, the in, it was the theology of the ancient faith. This is the faith. This is the truth that has endured for 2,000 years. <clears throat> And so as we were kind of uh, discussing what we would believe and how we would worship and all these things, he came up one time and he said, this is what the church has always believed and this is how the church has always worshipped. So guess what? That's what we're going to believe and that's how we're going to worship. <laughs> no more discussion. No more opinions this is what the church has always believed this is how the church has always worshiped in a sense who are we who are we to stand and say i don't agree with that so we started to embrace deeply and richly the theology of the church and we started to engage in this liturgical worship the truth, beloved, withstood even the opinion of a bunch of rebels that tried to 
were moving toward orthodoxy, but we were strongly opinionated men and women in that time. It was very difficult for that to happen. But that, that moment was very critical to us to say, this is where we're going, because this is how the church has always done it. Beautiful. And then, uh, last but not least, Father John Braun's, uh, in, I'll never forget this moment, actually. He taught us how to pray in the ancient way. Um, <laughs> you know, we had, everybody has their own liturgical way to pray, you know, so we had all these ideas on how we were to pray individually, and we were a very de devoted group of people, and so we all prayed, but, but nobody was consistent, I would say. We were inconsistent in this. So I remember the day, we were, I can't remember where we were. But Father John, you set up a little altar, put some candles up, put some icons up, and said, this is how we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, O Heavenly King, O Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who are in all places and fill us to all things, treasury of good things, the giver of life. Come dwell in us. Cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious Lord. Holy God, holy mighty, and so on, to the, our Father. And I remember going, this is good. This is rich. This is an important way to engage my prayer. I don't have to come and invent words. The words are there. They've been given to us by the great saints of the past. These are powerful words. It's like, I remember, I think Mother Victoria said this, the Trisagian prayers that I just recited, it's like dialing heaven. That's how you get in. That's how you get in, right? Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Our Father who art in heaven, welcome, welcome. That's how we get there. Why do we know that? Because it's, it's worked through the centuries. This is how the saints prayed. This is how the great people of the church prayed. So we've had this incredible opportunity, beloved, in our history of this church to follow those that have come before us. Follow those people that have given us the advice that have led us to where we are today. And I believe it's a very precious place that's full of the truth of God. So, may we continue to follow our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and all the saints as they lead us deeper and deeper into this truth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.